Matthew chapter 2, once again, we're taking a look at uh, the story of the wise men. Wow, and, and Jennifer, uh, Jeanette mentioned yesterday, you know, just the, the day that we had here. And if you missed out on all of that yesterday morning, none of the chairs that you're sitting in were in this auditorium. They were all in Alan's classroom over here. Rows of toys and everything in here. Clothes back in the back. Housewares back there in the back. Hundreds of people that came lined up as early as four something in the morning to be the first ones in. That's what we heard. Lined up all the way out past our rows of cars and then down towards the bus barn. Uh, it was something amazing. And we finally opened the doors and it didn't take long for this room for the toys to be gone. That seems to be the prized item. And, uh, but it was quite a day, and so we do appreciate all those that had a part. There's a lot of preparation that goes into that, a lot of sorting of clothes, and that is not my specialty. I wanted to say that's not my gift, which I don't think it is, but it, nevertheless, <laughs> is this a men's or a women's? Is this a, you know, that's, that, it seems like women have a lot better handle on that, but we appreciate everyone that came and helped with that ministry. You know, there's no place I would rather be on a Sunday before Christmas than with the family of believers at New Hope. Yeah, it's just a precious, precious thing as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And we have been studying the story of the wise men and their, what they did, the part they played in the Christmas story. And so that is found here in Matthew 2. We're going to read the first 12 verses again. And hopefully by this time, after the last couple of weeks, you're getting familiar with this part. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where's the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense, frankincense, most of your Bibles might say, and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So this chapter opens with these words, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod. After Jesus was born. 
So this is not the night of the birth that we're talking about. It's after he was born, during King Herod's reign. And verse 11 tells us, on coming to the house. All right. So Jesus' family now is in a house rather than in the stable or the cave or wherever he was born. You see, folks, the wise men came after everything was over. When you see a nativity scene with the wise men, please understand, that's probably not biblically accurate. They came afterwards, maybe a year or two afterwards, some scholars believe. But they came after everything else was over. They never made it there where Jesus was lying in the manger. They never came to the actual place of the birth. Traditionally, though, they're associated with the Christmas story, but in reality, they came a a while after Jesus was born. How many were there? Well, again, we all know there were probably, at least I believe there were probably more than three, but we, we, we get three fixed in our head because of the three gifts and because of the song, we three kings of Orient are bearing gifts, we traverse afar, and so on. But they came to worship the newborn king and to give gifts, as we've discussed in this series. And they ask, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? You see, they recognized and acknowledged Jesus as a king. Now, who were the wise men? Well, again, we aren't told their names, although tradition has assigned names to them. We are not told their number. Again, we get that number three fixed in our head. We're not told their mode of transportation, but most often we see them depicted with camels. But they could have came on foot. They could have came on donkey. But we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. Mostly, they were probably Gentiles from modern-day Iran, possibly Iraq. But their title, Magi, refers to the fact that they were specialists, probably, in astronomy. They watched the heavens. They knew the stars. They knew the constellations. They knew when something appeared that, that was special, that was out of place, that they hadn't seen before. The book of Daniel tells us they would have been amongst the highest-ranking officials in, in their area. Now, many scholars believe that their comments reflected the fact that they knew or had some kind of knowledge of Balaam's prophecy in Numbers 24, verse 17, where it says, A star will come out of Jacob. Well, they came during the reign of Herod, and as we've already discussed, Herod was this insanely out-of-control individual who had murdered his own wife, he had uh, murdered his mother, he had murdered three of his sons because he thought they were a threat to his throne, and Augustus Caesar, as we've mentioned, said it was safer to be Herod's pig or Herod's dog than it was to be Herod's son. In fact... When Herod was on his deathbed, he ordered the arrest of a number of prominent citizens and gave the order that at the time of his death, that those prominent citizens be killed also. That way he would be guaranteed there would be some tears shed on the day of his death. So we're talking about a sick 
individual, when it says that he was disturbed, uh, he was disturbed in more than one way for sure. Verse 3 says, when Herod heard about this king being born, that these wise men were coming to see, that he was disturbed. But why? Well, he wasn't the rightful king in the line of David. Not at all. He wasn't even a descendant of Jacob. He was rather from Esau, Jacob's brother, which would make him an Edomite, which is why the Jews never really respected him as king. If someone had come along that was rightfully of the tribe of Jacob or or descendant of Jacob, Herod's job would have been in jeopardy. But how did these wise men find Jesus? The obvious answer is what? They followed the star. But could it be that there was more involved in it than that? I think they were led by the Holy Spirit as well. Who put the desire in their hearts to come and worship Jesus? Jesus himself said in John 6 verse 44, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So you think that the Holy Spirit may have had a part in leading these men to Jesus? You think you decided to come to church this morning? You think that you came because maybe someone here invited you? Here's what you need to know. The God of the universe drew you here today. He had a big part of it. And all the circumstances of your life and all the things in your world, he's been using all of those things to draw you to Jesus. If you're here, God wanted you here. He drew you here. But not only the Spirit, but also I think the Scriptures. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Did the wise men have the Scriptures available to them? Well, a lot of scholars believe that they evidently had some copies that they could research. But God had specifically said where Jesus would be born in Bethlehem of Judea. And so the wise men came from the east. Centuries before, Daniel had prophesied in Babylon that the Messiah would come. Now it was time. Galatians 4 verse 4, the Apostle Paul says, In the fullness of time, or when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. But of course, God also used the star. He sent something to guide these men. He gave them light. And listen, the more you seek the Lord, the more light he will give you. God will use whatever it takes to bring you to Jesus. And by the way, down in verse 9, that star reappeared after they had visited Herod. What? Where was Herod? Where did they visit Herod at? In Jerusalem. I mean, if you're looking for a king, you're going to go to the capital city, right? So in Jerusalem. Then after they visited Herod, that star reappeared and led them to Bethlehem. Bethlehem is five to six miles south of Jerusalem. How many of you know what direction the stars usually go across the sky? From east to west. This time, this star went from north to south. 
It was a special star that God caused to lead those wise men down to Bethlehem. Something completely supernatural, I believe. But after we've looked the last couple of weeks at this story and, and just refreshing your memory about it again this morning, what can we learn from the wise men? Well, number one, that nothing could keep them from getting to Jesus. Nothing. Not a thing, not distance. And they had to travel hundreds of miles one way on foot or on camel or on donkey. We don't know how they traveled, but they came hundreds of miles. So distance didn't keep them from Jesus, nor did difficulty. I mean, they had to cross a desert, probably endure bad weather, possibly even some sandstorms. Who knows the difficulty it was for them to come the hundreds of miles they came. But the difficulty didn't stop them, nor did danger. They knew they would, no doubt, maybe face some bandits. And if they were on animals and dependent upon those animals, those might be prized possessions for some bandits to try to take from them. A dictator didn't keep them away either, because they had to deal with Herod, that insane king. Listen, they just made up their mind they were going to get to Jesus. And they got to him. And here's what you need to know, that the devil will set up every roadblock that he can to keep you from getting to Jesus. He will. You can count on it. But you just keep coming anyway. You just keep coming because God will make sure that you get to him if that is your desire. But another thing we can learn from them is they acknowledge Jesus as the king even when others didn't. They came looking for the king of the Jews, verse 2. But Herod said in verse 8, go and make a careful search for the child. The child. You see the difference? The wise men saw Jesus as a king. Herod saw Jesus merely as a child, as a baby. And when he found out that the wise men weren't coming back to him, he slew all the male children around Bethlehem, two years of age and younger, those children. I don't know how many children that would have been. One commentary I read or scholar I read said it probably wasn't over 20 to 25 children that died. I guess in my mind I always thought it was a lot more than that. But Bethlehem was a small place. Its population had certainly swelled when everybody had to go back and register in their hometowns. But now this event is after that, so maybe it's more back to normal. I don't know. But they came looking for a king. Herod saw Jesus merely as a child, just as a baby. And I think people still do that today. Every Christmas. You know, I have found that most people don't mind the baby in the manger. They think that's sweet, they think that's cute, that's okay, that doesn't threaten anybody. The problem comes when you say that baby in the manger is your king, he's your lord. And a lot of people don't want a lord. They want to be on the throne of their life, not anybody else. And that was Herod's problem. He was his own king and no one else was going to tell him what to do. 
I think a lot of his descendants are still with us today. It's hard to acknowledge Jesus as the king when you're the one that's on the throne of your life, right? And if you only see Jesus as a child, you're going to fail to acknowledge him as king. And if you do that, you not only miss the wonder of Christmas, you miss the whole point of Christmas. It's about the king. He is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. He is Savior. These men also recognized Jesus alone was worthy of their worship. Verses 10 and 11. You notice in the text it didn't say when they came to Herod they fell down and worshipped him. In fact, it doesn't even say that they bowed before Herod. But when they saw Jesus, it was all different. Now, if they were just looking for a king to worship, why didn't they just settle for Herod? He was a king. But... For whatever reason, they knew Herod was not the king that they were looking for. If they would have bowed to Herod, he would have loved it. Yeah, that would have fed his ego. You know, over in Acts chapter 12, his grandson, we read about Herod Agrippa I. You've heard the saying, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Well, his grandson was a lot like his grandpa. Because his grandson held a Herod Appreciation Day for himself. And he planned all the music and had dancers and he made a speech. And the people that were trying to get on his good side yelled out, this is the voice of a God, not a man. And he just loved that. But while they were doing that, the Bible says an angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died because he didn't give the glory to God. How often at Christmas time does the devil try to get you and I to worship some other king or some other thing besides Jesus? I think it happens every year, but they recognize Jesus alone was worthy of their worship. They also worshiped Jesus with the best they had in verse 11. They brought gifts. And these weren't Black Friday gifts, they weren't Cyber Monday gifts, they weren't Super Saturday gifts, they weren't off the clearance aisle, these were not gifts they had received that they didn't want and so they re-gifted them and gave them to somebody else, nothing like that. These weren't late Christmas Eve gifts, these weren't after Christmas sale gifts. What did they bring and give to Jesus? The best they had. The best they had. And I'm wondering if this Christmas isn't a good time for you and I to reflect on what we give to Jesus. What category would you place your gifts in? The best you have? A clearance item? Black Friday? An after Christmas sale? A re-gift? Or back in the day, a Kmart blue light special. You people will remember that. Second service probably won't. All right. Would our giving and sacrifice to Jesus be filed under discount or extra or leftover? Or would our giving to Jesus be classified as the best we have? I think it's a good time to evaluate that. They brought gold, which is a gift that's fit for a king. They were acknowledging he's king recognizing his sovereign dominion. They brought him frankincense, 
a holy ointment that was used in the worship of royalty. And acknowledging probably he's God, he, he's holy, he's, he's sinless deity. And they brought myrrh, the one gift that to the average eye seems out of place. Why? It's a burial ointment. What were they acknowledging? And how did they know? Were they acknowledging, we know why you've come? These were wise men who had searched the scriptures and been led by the Spirit and guided by a star. They knew this was the Savior that had come. John 19, verse 39, Nicodemus, another wise man, brought myrrh to the burial of Jesus and anointed his body. You see, the wise men were acknowledging not only is he our king, but he's our God and he's our Savior. And then one last thing I think we can learn from the wise men is that after they found Jesus, they went home another way. You've heard me say that before. They went home another way. They went by another route because they'd been warned of a dream, in a dream in verse 12. Listen, you can't come to Jesus and go home the same way you, can. you came. You just can't. The wise men went home different, not just geographically by a different road. They went home different spiritually. I believe they were different because they'd been with Jesus. And so should we. And if you're wondering, okay, so, yeah, Christmas comes up a week from today. Big deal. Imagine, imagine that it's a week from tomorrow, the day after Christmas. Christmas comes so fast, it's gone, and you think, okay, what next? What now? Well, don't look any further than the wise men. You see, the wonder of Christmas is that the little baby in the manger isn't just a king. He's the king. The king. And they got it. The question is, do we? Do we get it? Is he our king? Is he king in your heart? Is he king in your life? Is he king in your home? And if you're wondering, okay, Christmas is coming, big deal, what now, what next? Well, that's it right there. Making sure Jesus is King and Lord of everything in your life. That's the point. And so when all the programs have been performed and all the pictures have been taken and all the carols have been sung and the holiday parties have come and gone and the presents are unwrapped and the big dinners have all been eaten, the Christmas music has been turned off, the families are headed back home, Someone from work's on the phone, the kids have a practice to get to, the house needs to be cleaned, the bills still need to be paid, and the groceries are running a little bit low, and the stock market is up and then down and up and then down and then down further and so on, and the TV's still on, the news is still worrisome. Life just keeps going as if Christmas never happened, right? But it did. It did happen. So look around. This church is full of family and friends and laughter and joy because the baby is still the Savior. He's still King. He's still Lord. 
and he always will be. And the Savior is still the gift held out to a world still looking for joy, an, an earth still waiting for peace. And we as Christians are still sitting in the wonder of the God who gave his son and the son that gave his life to add us to his family and one day welcome us home. So if you're wondering, okay, Christmas is going to be come and gone in such a hurry, big deal, what next? Well, remember it really happened. And it changed everything. We're going to sing a hymn of decision this morning. Is God drawing you to himself? Is he leading you to Jesus? If he is, don't resist. You come. Regardless of the obstacles, you come. And God will make sure that you get to him. That baby in the manger is the one that hung on a tree whose blood can cleanse you from your sins and make you as white as snow and give you eternal life. The greatest gift, the indescribable gift, as the Apostle Paul puts it. You can't think of Christmas without thinking of gifts. The greatest gift is Jesus. If you need him today, or if you've already accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, you've already obeyed the gospel, and you're looking for a church to call your home church, we'd love to have you be a part of New Hope. Or maybe you're just going through a tough stretch in your life, and you need someone to pray with you. We have people that will pray with you, that will come alongside and help you in whatever way they can. You know what decisions you need to make today. So let the Holy Spirit lead you and help you to bring you to what you need to do. Take the next step. Let's stand and sing.